Africa rise and shine Africa tsoza Africa amka na unai Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is General Africa from an African perspective coming to you live in Johannesburg, South Africa. We are on the frequencies 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on double one nine two five kilohertz on the 25 meter band to West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa. And in our top stories, in Africa rise and shine at the Sawa, Muhammadu Buhari has been re-elected as president of Nigeria and UN Security Council holds emergency meeting on Venezuela crisis. In economics news, Kenya power loses millions of dollars due to system inefficiencies and in sports news, South Africa seeks to improve Cyprus Women's Cup performance. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. The Nigerian Election Commission has declared that President Muhammadu Buhari has won a second term in office. Buhari defeated main opposition candidate Atiku Abubakar in the presidential election. Abubakar's party had previously rejected the result alleging electoral fraud. The BBC's Tommy Aladepo reports. President Muhammadu Buhari secured 15 million votes, putting him more than 4 million ahead of his main rival, Atiku Abubakar. Initial results indicated high voter turnouts in the north, from where Mr. Buhari has received the bulk of his votes. The opposition People's Democratic Party alleges some figures were incorrect, but the ruling All Progressives Congress dismissed these claims. Nigeria's Electoral Commission will review any alleged discrepancies before announcing the final results and declaring the winner. In Senegal, President Macky Sall is on course for a strong election victory according to preliminary results from Sunday's vote. Media reports indicate that Sall has won over 58% in the vote based on preliminary data from polling stations, while the commission source says he's won 59.5%. Official results are expected later this week. Sall's closest rival, former Prime Minister Idra Sek, won 20% according to media website Dakaraktu with former tax inspector Osman Sonko receiving 16%. The South African presidency has confirmed that Election Day will again be a public holiday so that all registered voters will be able to cast their ballots. President Cyril Ramaphosa has officially proclaimed the 8th of May as Election Day. It was then published in the Government Gazette. Both the provincial legislatures and the National Assembly have been dissolved to allow political parties to begin campaigns. Abongile Tumako reports. It is official South Africans will be making their mark on the 8th of May. President Cyril Ramaphosa has officially declared the date for elections. Meanwhile, the IEC has welcomed the move by the president, saying that it will make way for the commission to resume its duties building up to the elections. And political analysts say these coming elections will be a real test for the governing ANC. 
Zimbabwean activist Rashid Mahia has been arrested and charged with subversion following violent anti-government tra- uh, protests that rocked the country last month. Mahia is the director of Hill Zimbabwe Trust and chairperson of the Crisis in Zimbabwe Coalition, an alliance of rights and social action groups. His lawyer, Tonde Rai Haratsara, says he's charged with subverting government. Charges against him stem from a meeting he organized in December last year, which was attended by several non-governmental organizations. And finally, the U.S. Democrat-controlled House of Representatives have passed passed a bill to block President Donald Trump's declaration of a national emergency linked to his proposed border war with Mexico. The BBC's Peter Bowers reports. The bill rebukes the president for using emergency powers to redirect funds already allocated by Congress to other projects to build a wall along the southern border. The House, which is controlled by the Democrats, passed the bill with a significant majority, but it will now go to the Senate, which is led by the Republicans. Given some members of the president's own party also have misgivings about his actions, the bill could pass in the upper chamber, but the White House says Mr Trump will, for the first time in his presidency, veto the measure if it reaches his desk. And that's the news. Headlines at 8.30 Central African Time. Nigeria's President Muhammadu Buhari won a second term at the helm of Africa's largest economy and top oil producer. The Electoral Commission chairman said on Wednesday, following an election marred by delays, logistical glitches and violence, he defeated his main opposition candidate, Atiku Abubakar, a businessman and former vice president, Buhari secured 56% of votes compared with 41% for Atiku, a candidate for the People's Democratic Party. Buhari faces a daunting to-do list, including reviving an economy still struggling to recover from a 2016 recession and quelling a decade-old Islamist insurgency that has killed thousands of people in the northeast, many of them civilians. Let's listen to Professor Mahmoud Yakubu, the Independent National Electoral Commission chairperson. Buhari Muhammadu of the APC scored 15,191,847 votes. Abubakar Atiku of the PDP scored 11 million. 262,978 votes. That Muhammad Buhari of the All Progressive Congress, having satisfied the requirements of the law and scored the highest number of votes, is hereby declared winner and is returned elected. Thank you. That's Professor Mahmoud Yakubu, chairperson of Nigeria's Independent National Electoral Commission. 
South Africa has called for the international community to promote a framework of inclusive internal dialogue in order for the people of Venezuela to determine their own destiny. That was the message delivered by the country's ambassador, Jerry Machila, during a Security Council debate on the unfolding crisis in the Latin American country in which he warned that military threats against Caracas run counter to the purpose of the United Nations. The United States that called the meeting has indicated it would introduce a draft resolution to compel the government of President Nicolas Maduro to accept humanitarian aid. Sean Bryce Peace has more. Inconsistent with the purposes of the UN, that was the message from Pretoria's envoy Jerry Machila, appointed to a divided council grappling with the internal affairs of a fellow member state. For us in South Africa, this sets a very bad precedence. We on the African continent have suffered a great deal as external forces used undemocratic tools of regime change to solve problems in our continent. In principle, we are strongly opposed to this way of solving any problem. This approach takes away the basic right of the people of the country to determine their own future. South Africa's position runs counter to that of the Lima Group of Latin American states, supported by the United States and the European Union, that has called for fresh presidential elections, organized by opposition leader and self-proclaimed interim president Juan Guaido, while Russia and China called for the UN Charter to be respected. Machila warned that if dialogue was ignored, it would lead to a prolonged crisis in the country. Forcing the parties to accede and accept a prescription to resolve their own crisis, including through ultimatums, will only encourage further antagonism and division. Therefore, we call on this council and all those truly interested in the peaceful resolution of the crisis in Venezuela to consider the question, what is alternative to dialogue? The alternative, as we have seen in other cases where dialogue was ignored by some in this council, will be a prolonged crisis and possible military entanglement. This will only be to the further detriment of the people of Venezuela. But that position went against the majority of council members, with Germany's ambassador Christoph Huchsen taking particular issue with South Africa. I disagree with my um, South African friend. Um, I think this belongs on the agenda. This is a threat for international peace and security. I thought we would agree on this, that human rights is also um, not an internal affair. But, and I quote from the Universal Declaration, a common standard of achievement for all peoples and all nations. And also I thought with your background you would also support this view that human rights is something which is um, very important to, to respect and if human rights are blatantly violated, one, one has to look at this. The U.S. envoy, Elliot Abrams, indicated that Washington would continue to impose sanctions on Venezuela. We do not get into hypotheticals. I think you can see what the policy is. The policy is to use 
as much diplomatic and economic and political pressure as we can, along with the now, I think, 54 countries that have recognized Juan Guaido as the legitimate president of Venezuela to support the Venezuelan people's desire for democracy. That's our policy. He denied that the United States was preparing to intervene militarily in Venezuela, but reiterated the position of President Donald Trump that all options remained on the table. I'm Sherman Bryce-Bees in New York. South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa has vowed to accelerate efforts to ensure a better life for all. Ramaphosa was addressing thousands of his party supporters during an election campaign trail on an open field in Phosphorus, east of Johannesburg, on Tuesday. He was accompanied by the party's head of campaigns, Figlin Balula, and Gauteng Province ANC chairperson, David Makura, as well as Ekuruleni Metropolitan Municipality ANC chairperson, Mzandile Masina. Residents raised lack of housing, unemployment and crime as their main concerns. Ndebo Mukobo has more. Now is the time. First ballot paper. Second ballot With two months to go, electioneering is sitting up an ANC president Cyril Ramaphosa is on a campaign trail. He invoked Nelson Mandela's 1994 dream of a better life for all, saying the governing party will step up efforts to ensure this dream becomes a reality. Our job still has to be done. We have not yet reached a stage where we want to be. We want to make sure that our people do indeed lead a better life. We are happy. Throughout the country, there is a new spirit, a very positive spirit of people who are expecting Uguti. Gembele, South Africa is moving forward. It's a spirit of renewal where our people are full of confidence about the future. Wherever we go, we are not meeting people who are negative. The president spent his Tuesday afternoon in Force Loras interacting with residents and some of them have expectations from the ANC if it becomes government after the May 8 polls. And President Ramaphosa listened attentively and pledged to keep his promises. The recurring request that we're getting amongst our people is employment. They would like to be in employment, but interestingly, a number of them 
are involved in one way or another in township economy activity. Other than that, the other things they are raising is their houses are leaking and we've got a program to take out the asbestos roofs and retile the houses on the roofs and all that. Others obviously want houses and uh, we are embarking on a massive program here in Ekuruleni to build 10-story housing settlement structures in other areas. 3,000 human settlements are going to be built. So we are in a very exciting period of greater things to look forward to. With the ANC rocked by divisions in some provinces, Ramaphosa remains confident that his call for unity within the governing party is beginning to bear fruit. Yes, there was division, and those divisions, the gaps between us, are now closing up. All the comrades are extending hands, holding each other, and sometimes there may be signs of uh, that slipping, but we are moving forward, knowing that it is what binds us together that makes us most attractive to our people. I am not, you know, too overly concerned about what the media keeps talking about because the vibe that's in the organization is what encourages me to keep moving. The Northwest is coming together. KZN has come together. So we're moving forward. Victory is certain. Today, President Ramaphosa is taking the ANC campaign trail to the Western Cape to garner more votes ahead of the May elections. I am Tebumokobo for Sloras in Ekuruleni. Join Channel Africa this coming Friday at 1200 hours Central African time during our midday show when we respond to your comments, concerns, questions and suggestions about Channel Africa in a new listener feedback session. Please send voice notes or call us on WhatsApp at plus 27 763 or social media platforms, Facebook underscore Channel Africa, Twitter at Channel Africa. You can also call live on plus two seven double one seven one four three nine four three. Remember, Friday, 1st March, between 1200 hours and 1300 hours Central African time. Channel African Management will be in studio to respond to your questions. Make sure you tune in. Channel Africa from the African perspective. South Africa's President Sul Ramaphosa yesterday chaired a meeting of the Presidential Working Group on Disability in Pretoria. The meeting focused on the identification of a broad spectrum of measures to improve the socio-economic outcomes for persons with disabilities. More from Presidential Spokesperson Kusela Tiko. President Ramaphosa today met with the Presidential Working Group on Disability. So this working group has been established to advise the presidency, you know, on measures that need to be taken in order to mainstream and support the development of people with disabilities. Now, the medium-term strategic framework that you speak about is a medium-term vision of government for the period 2020 to 2025. And within that medium-term framework, it then says the inclusion of people with disabilities in the agenda of 
government must be at the forefront of the work of each and every department and the reporting on the attainment of those targets must be a critical component of that work. Now, what are the actual changes yet to be implemented in regards to people living with disabilities? Well, the meeting was very fruitful and there were very incisive suggestions and concerns that were raised by representatives of the people with disabilities. Amongst those was the issue of location of our disability architecture in the country where there is ongoing discussion that as the president seeks to reconfigure government, perhaps he would want that work around people with disabilities led from his office. But they also raised issues around access to education, access to the justice system, access to health care. There was obviously discussions around the South African sign language and how that should be made an official language of the Republic becoming the 12th official languages. As you have said, one of the issues is that people living with disabilities don't have much access to education, health service, employment and social security. Now, why is that? Because we live in a democratic country. Well, the issue of access to education also came up quite sharply in the meeting. I think there's a number of reasons why we would have the challenges that we have in that area. Firstly, is just the lack of information and knowledge within society in general, but also within some of our educators and learners in schools who don't know how to relate to some of the children who have special needs. But also a lack of assistive devices because there's absolutely no reason why a person who may have a physical impairment, who may have other disability, cannot be fully integrated into the education system with the assistance of these assistive devices. So ensuring that there's access to that. But we also need to look at things like your higher education system that how do you ensure that a child who may have a special need who comes to a university is able to have accommodation, the residences that are modeled to support them? May you just take us through the integrated information system that is yet to track against targets? Well, that integrated system was raised as part of a comprehensive monitoring uh, system. One of the biggest challenges we face currently is that government would set targets. For example, there's a target of employment of 2% of the entire workforce being with people with disabilities but that is yet to be met. So what the system is meant to do is to ensure that across government and ultimately including the public sector as well, you are able to ensure that there is work that's done, you are tracking progress, and importantly that there's consequence management for those departments, for those companies that fail to meet the targets that have been set. The integration of people with disabilities into South African society is a collective responsibility. But one thing that they keep raising themselves, people with disabilities, is that disability is a human rights issue. It is not a welfare issue. So these are not people who are looking for handouts, but these are people who seek to work with society through means that are tailored to suit everybody in society, not just those who have no disability. Just to wrap it up, how is this different from the previous promises made by the government, yet not much results were made? Well, firstly, our government doesn't make promises. We make commitments. And when the president was speaking, he reported on those commitments and what had been achieved. Amongst those would be the increased enrollment in your basic education system of people with disabilities, the increased enrollment of people with disabilities in your higher education sector. You have, for example, provinces that have not only met the target of 2%, but they have also exceeded it in terms of employment of people with disabilities. I mean, we are the only country in the world where metric learners were able to write metric in Braille last year. These are some of the advances that we've made. But I mean, we are the first to say that much more still remains to be done. 
South Africa's ruling African National Congress National Working Committee has granted acting spokesperson Zizigodo's request to step aside from his position. This comes after weekend reports surfaced that he was facing rape allegations. It says spokesperson Bulemabe has also requested further leave from his post, even though the party's grievance panel cleared him following allegations of sexual harassment by his former personal assistant. ANC Secretary-General Ace Mahashule was presenting the outcomes of the National Working Committee meeting at a media conference in Johannesburg on Tuesday. Nomabulani reports. ANC Acting Spokesperson Zizi Godwa has asked to be relieved of his duties while an investigation of rape allegations continues. At the weekend, reports surfaced that Godwa had allegedly raped a woman last year and offered to pay her off. The party was notified of the allegation and they advised the woman to file a criminal complaint. Godwa denies the allegations and labelled it as dirty tricks. Pule Mabe, another spokesperson, has requested more time away from his job after the party cleared him following sexual harassment allegations last week. Both Godwa and Mabe will remain National Executive Committee members. Secretary-General Ace Mahashule says Mabe asked for the extension of leave because his accuser was taking the matter to the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation and Arbitration. And the ANC has therefore accepted their request. And this is what the comrades have actually shown. Comrade Zizi has said if there are such allegations, have requested to voluntarily step aside while dealing with this matter so that he doesn't speak on behalf of the African National Congress. And Comrade Pule Mabe has, has been cleared, but he has also uh, requested that uh, he should still uh, be at home. The party says it has sent its draft policy on sexual harassment to the Gender Commission for auditing. It seems the drafting of the policy was triggered by the sexual harassment accusation against Mabe. Acting spokesperson Dagod Dalihuete says they want professional input and oversight on the policy. You know, even though we are the African National Congress, we are not uh, the custodian of that particular uh, policy in terms of Chapter 9 of the Constitution of the Republic. So we still have to take that policy of the NC, which is a draft, for quality assurance and to ensure that it's compatible and in compliance with the laws of the Republic, particularly your basic conditions of employment act, your labor relations act, and all other related acts, including the constitution of the Republic. Meanwhile, Mahashula noted that they're focusing their efforts to secure a landslide victory at the polls on May 8th. He says all leaders, volunteers and alliance partners have been deployed across the country to canvas for the party. Mahashula says his party believes it is the only one that can represent all South Africans. The ANC and all members are on the ground across the country working tirelessly for a landslide victory at all the polls. We are encouraged that South Africans remain confident that the ANC is the only party that has the capacity to grow South Africa and realize the vision of a better life for all. 
The Zimbabwean government is facing criticism for crackdown on journalists, artists and civil society groups. Two female journalists, Samantha Kurea and Sharon Chidewu, were arrested over a comic skit on police brutality. The two were released without being formally charged, but lawyer Lizwe Jamela said the police behavior was not becoming. On the same day, ITUC Africa Secretary General was arrested at his hotel soon after his arrival and was released after close to 12 hours of detention. Simon Wichema reports. Zimbabwe's exiled former minister Professor Jonathan Moyo has attacked the government for skipping in panic over comic skits. Moyo hinted that all hell had broken loose when two female comic artists were arrested at their homes Tuesday morning. Samantha Korea, known as Gonyet, and Sharon Chideu, known as Magirazi, were dragged from their homes to the Harare Central Police over a comic skit in which they condemned police brutality. The arrest came a few hours after the arrest of yet another high-profile visitor, Kwasi Adu Amankwa, ITUC, Africa Secretary General. The two comedians, as well as the labor boss, were released but Zimbabwe is painting a gloomy image as this suppresses the right to freedom of expression. Lawyer and human rights defender Doug Coltard had no kind words for the Zimbabwean government. Yeah, no, it, it really, as you've said, it, it paints a picture of lawlessness where the regime is using the coercive instruments of state to just attack and persecute anyone who they perceive as a dissenting voice uh, or an opponent uh, of them. It really sends the, totally the wrong message uh, to the UN world, to any even investors who are thinking of coming to Zimbabwe. Uh, seeing the selective application of the law, it, it really sends all of the wrong messages. Lawyer Lizwe Jamela, who represented the two female comedians, confirmed Samantha and Sharon had been released without charge. All of them, yes, and Sharon, the other colleagues, Sharon, they, they, were all, they were all released. They were just questioning them about one of the uh, videos. Uh, you know, they post some videos doing social comments. So one of the videos was uh, depicting police brutality, the, the one that was making subject mess. They just released them, but they were contemplating charging them under criminal incident. Commenting on the arrest of the ITUC Africa boss, Kwasi Adwamankwa, Tuesday morning, ZCTU leader Jafet Moyo told Channel Africa he had been released. Kwasi Adwamankwa has been released. I still have to meet him. That's what I'm getting about um, 10 minutes ago. So that's the latest I have. We're not sure how the state is going to respond to the court papers uh, because we are already before uh, the high court. So we were just busy serving uh, the state uh, organs responsible for this thing. Probably that's where we'll be able to know exactly what his response is. Or they merely just released him. I'm not sure about that. When I spoke to Kwasi, it was, it was a bit noisy background. Uh, he was saying uh, he's on his way to the city. And uh, I'm just waiting to talk to him, see him personally, uh, so that we can uh, see how, how we can rearrange our program tomorrow. Following some violent fuel protests in mid-January, the Zimbabwean government unleashed some brutal crackdown on dissenting voices. At least 12 civilians were shot dead, 78 people had gunshot wounds, and 1,000 arrested during protests in January. 
Zimbabwe was castigated for the military crackdown on ordinary civilians, civil society group leaders, and journalists. The U.S. Embassy in Harare has called on government to uphold its constitution, protect human rights, and foster unity among citizens. On one hand, the Home Affairs Minister Kane Matema expressed ignorance to all the arrests on Tuesday. Depends where we which country now. Where, which, where, in which country, my brother, you know the person you are talking about. In Zimbabwe, I don't even know. I'm hearing it for the first time from him. I'm saying I'm hearing it from you. Ah, but my brother, I mean, you want me to be running up and for looking for news for you. Why don't you go to those who can't the news, my brother? Ah, but you, you know the story I'm hearing it from you. In Arari, Zimbabwe, for Channel Africa, this is Simon Muchemwa. Our headlines up next with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musan. The headlines, the Nigerian Election Commission declares President Mohamedou Buhari as the winner of presidential elections. Senegalese President Macky Sall is on course for a strong election victory according to a preliminary results from Sunday's vote. And the Democrats possible to block U.S. President Donald Trump's declaration of a national emergency linked to his proposed border war with Mexico. Those are the stories making headlines. Students in the East African community say the political standoff currently experienced in some members is hampering success in the region. This was part of the discussions that have just been concluded in Kigali, Rwanda, where university students from Uganda have been meeting their counterparts. Silvanus Karamera Hasmo from Kigali. Those who met in Kigali were students from Brara University in Uganda and those from University of Kigali in Rwanda. The students' conference came in in the course of the ongoing row that engulfed Rwanda and Uganda, the erstwhile friends and strong members of the East African community. The two have been in sour relations with the concerns that the animosity may escalate into full-fledged diplomatic standoff, but university students from both countries may not consider this a threat. They have been meeting in Kigali to discuss a wide range of issues pertaining to the integration process of the East African community, currently composed of six countries. We are here today to um, have a collaboration set up between us and the university and we are looking forward for this collaboration to um, state a platform for the rest of, you know, rest of the universities to get together, for the youth to get together and express themselves and then we have the integration eventually at a country level, more integration, we have the more solutions to our problems we have uh, unity between countries, you know. Leaders in attendance, especially those from respective universities, admit that if youth had given enough platforms to shape their communities, some challenges currently experienced among us countries perhaps would have been tackled enough. Professor Shuti Manasse is a former minister in Rwanda and one of the proprietors of Kigali University. And today we discussed about integration, who we are as a people of the region and why it's important to us. Now, first of all, they are the beneficiaries of integration. They are the future of, you know, of, the, of, the, of this region and they need to start now to know why it's important to integrate. And I think today they understand more than before. 
Um, and for Rwandese, of course, they didn't understand it. They are going to visit Uganda and also try to communicate with their Uganda counterparts. So how much can they learn from each other? A Rwanda State Minister in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Olivier Hunjire, says even when countries find themselves in frictions in diplomatic arenas, students have always been instruments of the integration and through such a gathering, things may change to better. The East African community integration uh, is really important and I'm, I'm happy to be here because I know that uh, the students, the youth, is the East African community of tomorrow. Uh, we need uh, to have more exchanges of uh, students, uh, uh, be it for a short dialogue like this, but also for a longer, on a longer period, like a semester, so that uh, we uh, students can uh, l uh, study in other countries of the community. And uh, I think it's important because we are uh, in this process of integration, not for politicians, not for government, but mainly for uh, the citizens, for the businesses, for citizens who need to travel through the community and visit uh, relatives, uh, for students who can study anywhere. So it's a community. And then as I was telling students here, we need to build that East, East Africanness. We are talking about Rwandaness, Africanness, but we also need to promote East Africanness because uh, uh, this community is important for all of us. Some analysts who prefer to remain anonymous said that the encounter among us students is a sign that the standoff that currently befalls some of the East African countries, including Uganda and Rwanda, could be in the more high-ranking arenas, and therefore it's high time leaders consider this. Sylvanus Kalimera, reporting for Channel Africa in Kigali. The CRL Rights Commission says there aren't enough laws to protect South Africans from religious leaders who perform outrageous acts on them. It says while it has highlighted the crisis in the religious sector, ordinary people are left on their own when they are in trouble. This has emerged on the second and final day of the fourth National Consultative Conference where delegates have issued a new mandate for the commission for the next five years. Tabilim Bela reports. The 500 delegates at the conference want the CRL Rights Commission to have stricter regulations of the religious sector in South Africa. Commission Chairperson Togum Kwanazi Kaluva. We've been given a mandate as the CRL Rights Commission that in the next five years, the CRL Commission must make sure that they push for the regulation of religious practitioners. They must be registered. People must know where they are. So we're very happy, of course, I'm sure you know, that we feel affirmed by the communities who are community councils and other people who are here. She says the commission will also be monitoring church services broadcast on various television stations in South Africa. Our observation has been that most of these church services are a bit outside the constitution itself in terms of human dignity. People are portrayed in a way that the religious leader wants to portray them even if it affects their human dignity. What then happens when people are just promoting fantasy? We've seen fantasy this week being promoted. But also we've been asked to look at religious tolerance, that all religions are equal. However, a visiting professor of law at the International Center for Law and Religious Studies, Brad Schaafs, says South Africa's constitution has all the powers to protect its citizens. And the primary constitutional values of freedom, equality, and human dignity will see you through. We like freedom, we want freedom, including religious freedom. 
but it's not going to be an unlimited freedom. Equality is the next principle. The government or the state is not a good arbiter of religious truth. And then finally, human dignity. We may find that we want to condemn certain practices or even certain religious leaders. And we can do that through the form of public opinion. We don't always have to do it exclusively through the forum of law. Schaffs has warned against judging people's religious beliefs. Someone else's beliefs almost always look strange to us. And so we have to be a little careful in labeling other people's views as being unreasonable. Because whatever it is that we believe could easily be characterized as unreasonable from some other point of view. So when it comes to matters of faith, when it comes to matters of love, when it comes to matters of beauty, uh, we have to be careful in being too confident in the judgments we pass about others. Nkwanazi Kaluva says they'll be investigating the church where its pastor claims to have raised someone from the dead. The five-year term of the current commission and its commissioners comes to an end this week. It will now be up to the president to decide whether they continue into the second term or if he will appoint a new team. I'm Tabile Mpele for SABC News in Pretoria. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Yeah. Africa's tourism industry has taken center stage at Meetings Africa in Johannesburg, South Africa. The premier business trade show hosted by the South African Tourism aims to unlock potential and build long-term partnerships in South Africa and Africa. It was born in response to the global meetings industry's growing recognition of Africa as a sought-after premier business events destination. Channel Africa's Mdantla Matlang reports. The 14th Annual Meetings Africa Conference was officially opened by South Africa's Tourism Minister Derek Heinekom. The gathering is considered to be the leading Pan-African business events trade show, providing businesses with a platform to showcase Africa's tourism offerings to decision-makers, buyers and influencers from across the globe. Exhibitors and attendees of the event are given a platform to showcase their offerings to African associations and international and local corporate planners. Building on the shared economies theme from last year, this year has a specific focus on regionalization as a continental strategy and how this enhances the positioning and value offering for the business events industry in Africa. Amrita Craig, a marketer at the Mauritius Tourism Promotions Authority, says the trade show offers a perfect platform to network. 
This is the first time actually that we attend a mice fair. We haven't really been present in the mice segment in Africa and South Africa. And our objective this year is really to focus on the segment. And uh, Meeting Africa is the perfect platform to be. You know, it's a very good platform where you can interact with a lot of hosted buyers from Africa. We have to build a network, which we don't have. So I think this is a great platform. Uh, we want to interact, network and build the network and build the pipeline for business in the future. Sheri Sibanda, Head of Tourism at the Zimbabwe Embassy in Pretoria, shares the same sentiments. We are hoping to get a big, big business in terms of mice. We do have uh, excellent facilities for mice uh, dotted all over the country, from Harare to all the way to Victoria Falls. So we are getting business. Every year it's improving for us. So we'll keep on coming here almost every year. Zandile Ngala from Progressa SA in KwaZulu-Natal says there's a huge benefit in attending the trade show because it allows for networking and collaboration. The Durban KZN Convention Bureau hosted us here, which is a, a great experience for us and a great opportunity um, to network, um, to meet potential clients, to learn to share knowledge and information around. So it's a great experience and an opportunity that you would not have ordinarily been able to access with our own resources. The event concludes on Wednesday. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Glantla Matlangu in Johannesburg. Join Channel Africa this coming Friday at 1200 hours Central African time during our midday show when we respond to your comments, concerns, questions and suggestions about Channel Africa in a new listener feedback session. Please send voice notes or call us on WhatsApp at plus 27 763 or social media platforms, Facebook underscore Channel Africa, Twitter at Channel Africa. You can also call live on plus two seven double one seven one four three nine four three. Remember, Friday, 1st March, between 1200 hours and 1300 hours Central African time. Channel African Management will be in studio to respond to your questions. Make sure you tune in. Channel Africa from the African Perspective. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Our economics update up next with Tabisolo Hugo. Good morning. 
Regional bodies have called on African countries to go beyond political promises for the implementation of intra-African trade, which still faces lack of infrastructure and financing. Scholars say this is a major challenge for African states, which are still struggling to make trade between different countries effective. They say the non-tariff barriers and lack of financing, infrastructure problems are hampering intra-African trade. Almost a month. After German auto giant DW announced entry into Ethiopia, another global giant, Hyundai, opened an assembly plant in the country. The plant is a joint venture between the South Korean car maker and decorated Ethiopian athlete Haley Gabriel Selassie, who owns Marathon Motors brand. It will employ an estimated 200 people from the start, a figure that could go as high as 1,000 when it goes fully operational. The assembly plant becomes of one of few plants in the region and has the capacity to assemble 5,000 cars annually. South Africa's Public Investment Corporation has been given until the 13th of next month to recover the capital made to Africa's investment group, AO Technology Solution. The PIC confirmed on Tuesday that it received a compliance notice from the Companies and Intellectual Property Commission, ordering it to recover the funds. Acting Company Secretary Wilner Lowe told the Commission into the PIC that the notice was received last Thursday. Meanwhile, the National Assembly passed the Public Investment Corporation Amendment Bill on Tuesday, One of the objectives of the bill is to promote transparency and good governance within the PIC. Lechisa Zenodi is Deputy Speaker. Honorable Members, there is one abstention, seven no's and 194 yeses. The Secretary will read the bill a second time. Public Investment Corporation Amendment Bill. The bill will be sent to the National Council of Provinces for concurrence. Kenya Power is losing millions of US dollars for keeping low electricity consumers on the grid as transmission costs mount. Millions of customers enlisted under the last mile connectivity project are weighing down the power distributor as the amount of electricity lost during the transmission from generation plants to consumers continues to rise. System losses stood at 22.8% over the last half year to December 2018, higher than 20.3% recorded over a similar period in 2017. Namibia's Mines Ministry says the Minerals Value Addition Scheme will strengthen the productive capacity of the company and serve as a catalyst for more investment. It adds, Namibia's mining industry could do much more than exporting raw material. The ministry further says that the mining sector and the government need to discover a way that will benefit both parties to strengthen the mining activities and the economy as a whole. The U.S. dollar is trading at 360.11, Nigerian Nara, 10.31, Botswana Pula, 99.40, Kenyan Shilling, and at 11.93, Zambian Guacha. In BRICS currencies, one U.S. dollar will cost you 3.75, Brazilian roll, 
6563 Russian ruble, 1795 Indian rupee, 669 Chinese yuan, and 1384 to the South African rand. The US dollar is also trading at 75 pence to the British pound and at 87 cents to the euro. Looking at commodities now, gold $1,327, platinum $859 per ounce. So the price of brand crude oil is at $65.62 a barrel. Africa continues to rise and shine. Our sports updates up next with Figile Lingwati. In our sports update, we begin with football news. South African national women's football team, Banyana Banyana, kick off the 7th Cyprus Women's Cup today against Finland at the GSZ Stadium in Lanaka at 1300 hours Central African time. Straight from playing high-profile international friendlies against FIFA Women's World Cup-bound teams like Sweden and European Champions Netherlands last month in Cape Town, Desiree Ellis' team wants to keep up with the momentum. With the South African Women's Senior National Football Team heading to their maiden World Cup appearance in France, for Ellis, this tournament offers her an opportunity to test all the players. Well, it definitely will be one or two changes. Um, we haven't uh, uh, seen a couple of players during the Sweden and Netherlands friendlies. And uh, until I had an opportunity this tournament, yes, you want to win the tournament, you want to win the matches, you, you want to score goals, etc. But this is the opportunity where we can give players an opportunity they didn't get against the Netherlands to see um, whether they can play at this level or not. And there definitely will be a, a, a few changes here. This will only be the second meeting between the two sides, with Banyana having lost to Finland in the same tournament four years ago, 2-1, in Nokosia, and they went on to finish 10th out of the 12-team tournament. But Ellis knows what to expect from this European side. Uh, we've also got footage of Finland of the two recent games, one in October against Spain um, and one in January against uh, Denmark, so we have an idea of what they are capable of. Um, uh, yes, we have a look at the opposition. We show um, players' strengths and weaknesses, but we have the belief that we also need to concentrate on, on our team a little bit more, but just give information on, on the opponent. So we, we work on our team more than, than concentrating on the opponent. And uh, as usual, we, we will have a game plan, and then it's up to the players to execute the game plan. Cricket News, the Wales Cricket Governing Body, ICC, has confirmed that Sri Lanka betting great Sanath Jayasuriya has been banned from all cricket for two years after breaching two counts of the International Cricket Council's anti-corruption code. Jayasuriya will be unable to play, coach, officiate or otherwise participate in any sanctioned cricket activity until midnight on the 16th of October 2020. The decision puts a stain on what was a stellar cricket career for Sri Lanka for nearly two decades. The ban was for not cooperating with investigators and concealing, destroying or tampering with evidence. ICC investigations are continuing into Sri Lankan cricket following a 15-day amnesty for players to give information. 
In boxing news, the date for the World Boxing Super Series semi-final fight between reigning World Boxing Organization bantamweight champion Zolani Tete and World Boxing Association super champion Nonito Donare has been announced. Tete will face Donare from the Philippines in the United States on the 27th of April. That will be the 28th of April in South Africa. Tete, who has been training since December, added that he never panicked even when the announcement of the contest was delayed. I'm very excited uh, now that the date has been set. Uh, I'm ready for war. I know it's not going to be an easy fight, but uh, Utone is going to fall just like the others. Uh, you know, uh, I believe a, a date will always come, whether it's three months or four months, but I knew that the date will, will finally come. I've been preparing since December, you know, because the fight was scheduled to be in February, March. So since I've been training, uh, I was not frustrated, but you know, it, it motivates to know that you are training to fight on this day. So finally the date now has been announced and it's confirmed, so we are looking forward to the 27th. And Tete, whose 31st birthday is on the 8th of March, is concentrating on his preparations for the fight and is not even thinking about when he, together with his trainers Lois Umkia and Mihigazi Miyageni, would leave for the United States. The Eastern Cape Province-based champions manager, Mlandeli Tengimfene, has confirmed that Tete and his trainers will finalize the preparations for the Donare fight at the Mayweather gym in the U.S. Uh, you know, my manager can give you a good clarity about that one. But what I know is that we are going for camp in the U.S. I don't know when, uh, but he will, he will give you the full details about that. Mine is to just do the job and train. And I'll hear from him when he says, you are leaving tomorrow, you are leaving next week. That's your sport news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka. Recapping our top stories in Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, Muhammadu Buhari has been re-elected as president of Nigeria and UN Security Council holds emergency meeting on Venezuela crisis. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Pumutora Magada, technical producer Wiseman Mangele and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.org, WhatsApp on 277-6300327, or tweet us at RiseShineAfrica. Are taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to southern Africa is Bayete with a song titled The Bombela.